no, I guess it was, it's typical for, especially trail and ultra and runners, I guess, to kind of go from one obsession to replace it with running maybe. Mm. And it's, and when I was younger, I was just, it's not that I was off the rails or anything. It was just, that I didn't have any real direction, I guess. Hey guys, this is Nikki Tamburino, also known on Instagram as One Classy Mother Runner. And you're listening to the Maybe Running Will Help podcast, the show that explores the why of running for people who love to run. Today, we're talking to a rising running influencer from the UK. This is his first podcast in the United States, and we're so honored to share him, his story, and his humor with you today. Gary House makes a living as a running coach, and his amusing style makes him a favorite in his town. But he's extended his reach over Instagram with hilarious videos and skits that not only aim to entertain, but to inform runners all over the world. Thanks so much for joining us. Now let's get started. All right, so just a little preview or I guess intro um, for everyone who is going to be listening to this episode. I'm talking to Gary House and he is hilarious. I think I came across one of his videos on my probably suggested feed. He's on the other side of the pond. So I think he's just starting to get recognized over here in the States. Welcome to the show, Gary. I'm really excited to have you here. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Nikki. First first podcast from, yeah, like you say, outside, well, from the US, definitely, yeah. Uh, you're from Wales, right? That's Yep, from Wales, yeah. So okay. the nice part of the UK. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you tell us a little bit like about yourself, like really quickly, a couple sentences, tell us about who you are, like what, how you would describe yourself? Yeah, I guess like first and foremost, I'm, I'm a family man, business owner, and that usually comes before running, but because running provides me with all that, then it's hard not to say a runner, right? So it's yeah. the same as when you speak to anyone like that. But yeah, I'm still, like, I'm, I like to say that I've, good I've got good friends, good group of friends, and then none of them are anything to do with running. And my family mm -hmm. aren't impressed or have anything to do with running either. So I've got the best of both worlds, I think. <laughs> okay well that's really interesting just like uh, from the start because obviously like from a social media standpoint I just know you as a runner so can yeah. you talk a little bit about how like that happened how did the social media and you know basically like you said running become this big part of your life yeah the, the social media thing is still quite strange to me because for <laughs> me it's <laughs> it is just me doing what I've always done so I was that typical like class clown you'd call them had half a brain but yeah i imagine very frustrating well i know it was very frustrating for teachers and stuff like that once i once i had that first couple of laughs and looking back now that is pretty much what i was in school for i like i thought i was funny i thought i was entertaining but i was also really small in school especially when i went up to high school like everyone was walk well all the boys are walking around with beards and twice the size of me so my only way out really and it was was through laughter either I'd make them laugh or I had like a quite a sharp wit or a quick tongue I guess so I could always talk my way out of stuff hopefully as quicker than I could talk my way in yeah <laughs> that's I think, how it all started I think yeah it's so funny um to hear you talk about like your sense of humor and making people laugh because I think some of the smartest people are people who can make other people laugh and have a sense of humor because you have to be creative and you have to be witty to do that. So um, I, it always impresses me when people can make other people laugh and do it in such a intelligent way, like, like you do. Okay. So you kind of growing up, you learned that you, you were funny. People enjoyed being entertained by you. And so how did yeah small section like i don't want to get ahead of myself i think like <laughs> within i'm sure 10 times as many people thought i was yeah a complete asshole in school <laughs> <laughs> yeah the teachers being yeah i have <laughs> teachers being the main one one when i went to college one stuck with me and he said i'd love to punch you so not <laughs> everyone not everyone thought i was funny and that is still true today i'm well aware of that <laughs> Okay, so um, when did you get on social media or why did you get on social media and start posting in the first place? 
Yeah, it's it's always quite an interesting conversation because I still I count myself lucky for a number of reasons. I started out running before social media, really. So there wasn't I can't think there's probably MySpace, that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well. Um, remember that going back that far. So I don't think yeah. it was Facebook or anything like that. So um I still find that that's quite lucky because to be a better runner, either either had to be in groups of people or read a textbook or kind of listen to kind of the first few podcasts that came along. But again, social media wasn't a thing. And then um, I built up a business. First, I was a personal trainer and I was a coach for runners outside across a couple of locations. But it was typical general population. They wanted to get fit lose a bit of weight and feel better about themselves and I did it through running originally so that's I was an outdoor trainer never had any kind of uh, aspirations to be an online trainer but yeah some race results went my way and I did quite well with my own running and then people came to me for help and then what kind of happened is the online stuff started to outweigh the face-to-face -face stuff and yeah, so that's kind of how the online stuff started. And again, I had an online business coaching runners before I took to social media, really. Mm -hmm. Again, Facebook went pretty well, but that was just because uh, I was getting a bit well-known in the UK, I guess. And again, I had 10,000 followers on Facebook and thought that was that was amazing. And that was through the videos that maybe people see on Instagram now. And then I look back and it's, this is going back five or six years ago on Facebook and it was, it looks like I've shot it on a potato. It's all grainy and <laughs> it's just cringeworthy. But that's what you think when you look back six months, isn't it? So, mm. yeah, I mean, again, I'm in a, I was in a good position where I did a couple of videos, sent them to my friends and clients and they actually stuck the first couple on the internet and it and got quite a lot of traction. Oh, funny. So then... This was back before Instagram, so I started to do a few more, and that's that's just how it's always been. I do content uh, or videos or whatever it is. It's usually to either make myself feel good, or I think people will get value from, and hopefully some of them laugh sometimes. Yeah, so it's always there's nothing else behind it other than that, really. I mean, that's enough. Uh... So when you started doing videos, was it more educational or was there always an aspect of humor to what you were putting out? At first it was like, yeah, the first couple of videos when you search back and I have done, it was on Facebook, but because I did the face-to-face -face groups, it might be 20 people in the group. It was me sticking a camera in their faces and asking them almost like stupid questions <laughs> live, live in the session. And that's why they went quite well because everyone was having fun. I wanted everyone to leave with a smile in the face. But if they were running to the top of the hill, I would ask them some ridiculous questions at the top of the hill. But it would be <laughs> streaming live and live Facebook at the time. You could, you were getting thousands of people watch me doing this ridiculous session kind of thing. So in, <laughs> the background, <laughs> in the background, I was learning about business and I had a mentor. And yes, it's obviously it's all leveraged towards my business. And it always has been. But at the front end, it is just me being myself. It's, yeah. That's the only thing I know how to do, really. Absolutely. So, so these, so you're live and you're videoing these runners coming up a hill, and are they like? I mean, that's already funny, like because they don't want to talk to you, right? Because they're tired exactly, and, they, yeah. and they're just like, get out of my. I would only ask them like, what are you having for tea or whatever, and they'd be like. <laughs> F off Gary and <laughs> <laughs> and it, that would almost be my advert to and then it, then when they ran off I'd be like right come on down next Tuesday evening at six o'clock and, <laughs> and, and that's how it and that's how it started really and then I used to do these yeah I guess you'd call them skits on about running and I thought yeah I thought that a couple of my friends might find it funny but it's hard it's like people outside of running don't aren't going to get it but actually some of the stuff yeah seem, people seem to enjoy it so i just kept doing it and that's how and and again like i say up until up until last november or december i'd spent i reckon five years getting myself to nine thousand followers oh wow and then it went from nine thousand to what it is now within the space of a couple of months and that's because a couple of videos just just seem to go viral yeah and you're what at like you're over fifty thousand now right 
about 68 i think yeah. yeah which is once you got over it's strange because you, you probably remember remember when you used to need ten thousand to get the swipe up option yes and i thought i would that would be great for my business and then they added that anyway so yeah. i've never really focused on numbers outside of that um, right to be honest because i just know how the algorithm works or well i know how it doesn't work for you a lot of the time so you can put out the best content and i know people that do and people are way funnier than me and know a lot more than me and they'll put stuff out and it doesn't get anything yeah so i just had to keep tweaking it and trying different things the way the film way it's filmed and the audio quality and i just m made that a little bit better each time and then all of a sudden it kind of paid off quite quickly but again still the videos are just the same as they were five years ago really just they look a bit better <laughs> i can't like i just i'm just thinking about your videos and i can't like not laugh right now because you're talking <laughs> about like 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 the one that you did recently i was like dying it was like how to like keep people's attention on the video and you were literally all you did was like change yeah. positions and like it was so awkward and weird but it was like i couldn't stop watching i'm like this is like brilliant and then um the one that you just did and you you were using a stick as your like like a literal like yeah stick that you found on the ground like so when you're talking about like how the quality's gotten better and stuff like that but you're also trying to make it look like you didn't try at all like you just like a little bit i'm just because my my friend down the road i live in a very small village and he works in like video production and works with tv and stuff yeah. so you can imagine what he's like he's always on at me saying i need to do this i need to do that but i'm not i'm just a running coach so yeah i so yes i got the mics and everything that was a great help but the actual stand to stick the mic on was cost like 20 pounds or 20 20 dollars over there and it's a little piece of plastic and i said oh, i'm not sticking it on i'm not buying that i'll just i'll just use whatever i've got and that's how it started and then obviously like you say people notice that in one video and that again that just feeds into the algorithm so it just became a bit of a, of a joke really yeah it's amazing like i'm literally <laughs> like crying um <laughs> and you're just funny like and the thing is your sense of humor it's so like like i think the thing was when i first saw you is that i wasn't sure if you were being serious or not yeah. <laughs> then, and then i was like oh i get it like it's just it's so funny um well, that it kind of bites me in the ass sometimes because again i'm a running coach and i'm there i'm not a comedian i don't get paid to make jokes or anything i get paid to coach people that's been my business for <laughs> 10 years so at some sometimes i have to remind myself i look i would make those videos all day every day but i've also like the, the business comes first and i'm coaching and i and obviously i have to give people value with running otherwise nobody's going to sign me up sign up to be <laughs> to me to tell them jokes all day so <laughs> so yeah it, it, it's good because i get to do both sides yeah, hopefully sure. yeah but like with the popularity that you've gotten recently like there is an opportunity for you to make that a more focused part of your business right i mean with that as you get more followers you'll have more opportunities to get sponsors and things like that is that something that you're interested in or are you really just like this is just something you're doing in addition to coaching yeah it's always been again <laughs> over here i've been either shot down or kind of people know me as the person that might take the mick out of influ traditional influencers you might say yeah so but i'm talking about the people that would maybe just take a pair of socks and sell their soul for video <laughs> and, and that kind of thing or giving yeah. out bad information and stuff yeah. like that so so yeah when it comes to partnering with brands and some stuff i've done one or two in the past and it's been been a lot of fun creating some content for them and stuff like that that is what i would yeah i would obviously love to do stuff like that and yeah. as long like i'm lucky because i've got through through my own running i've got a sponsor through for kits and stuff like that so i don't need it's not like i need anything but what i would enjoy is working with creative teams and making like adverts i guess and working yeah. with brands that way yeah how about a gary house movie like we could do a movie based on <laughs> gary like what would that look like what what would you call it I don't know because before <laughs> I was a running coach and before I did all this, it was like a life beforehand and stuff. So when I'm sometimes when people, um, when I'm on a podcast or I speak speak more, it's 
there's like the life before I was a runner is almost way more interesting than when, when I started running. So that I'd make a video, make a film about that part first, probably. <laughs> okay. Well, so what was that like before you started running? What was life like? No, I guess it was, it's typical for, especially trail and ultra and runners, I guess, to kind of go from one obsession to replace it with running maybe. Mm. And it's, and when I was younger, I was just, it's not that I was off the rails or anything. It was just that I didn't have any real direction, I guess. So like when I was mid middle teenage years, um, like my mum and dad split up. And again, that wasn't a major problem I thought at the time, but looking back, it maybe was. When I was 19, 20, I was going on a, on a boys holiday to Ibiza over here. And um, I'd lost two passports within a year and I needed to apply over here. You'd have to like have to go for like a really serious interview to get your third passport mm -hmm. to get it replaced. So I did that, but I needed my birth, original birth certificate. And then my mum came in floods of tears and I didn't know what was wrong, but she had to tell me that I was adopted. And that was the first time that I found out. So, wow. and that was at age 19, 20, I think. And I had no clue before that. So, and it's, and I was working in bars. So the whole thing, looking back, yeah, I just had no direction, felt a little bit lost. Right. Moved, moved to a city. So I'm from a small village, moved to a city, Manchester over here. Didn't know anyone at all. And I'd gone from playing football or soccer, <laughs> soccer like three times a week, yeah. playing for two teams. That's what I loved because it was a team environment, loved being with my friends but I thought I'm going to get out and go to the city, essentially. Didn't know anybody, didn't have any money, was a little bit kind of intimidated by working into a, you know, like a shared house with six other people. Oh, yeah. And that's when I started running because I couldn't afford anything else. And it made, and again, looking back on reflection, yeah. it meant that I could leave the house for an mm -hmm. hour, two hours, but essentially avoid people and just right. be on my own. Yeah, so, mm -hmm. but it took me, until I was 24, 25 to kind of come to terms with all that and realise that, yeah, I needed to kind of get, get a grip a little bit because I was going out partying. I had my first career was I was trying to be a hairdresser. So I worked oh, for wow. a very well-known hairdresser over here. So again, talking to people and kind of having fun and doing that was, was just what I enjoyed doing. But again, I just had to get out of that kind of scene and do something and that gave me just gave me a bit more grounding and then running was the anchor for all that I think yeah okay so definitely running was transformative in your life from just giving you some direction like how did that happen through running like was it through meeting the running community or was it through like having some success at races and deciding that's what how like that made you feel good and you really wanted to like focus on being more dedicated to it like how did that help it's <laughs> There's nothing profound about the story that really kicked it off because, um, yeah, so I'm running down the, the, the canal network around where I lived in Manchester. And again, I didn't even have a watch, like a sports watch back then. And so you, what I would do is there was a clock at the bottom of the stairs where I used to leave. And if I wanted to do a faster session, I would leave five minutes later to go to work, that kind of thing. Yeah, So I wasn't... <laughs> <laughs> and if I wanted to run a bit longer, I would just kind of go the long way home. And that was my training. But again, I'm working as a hairdresser. Mm -hmm. I would run, run home and then kind of go out to bars and clubs three or four times a week. So the two lives didn't kind of gel very well. Right. And, and it was a good thing, really. Then I came home to where I used to live, where, where all my friends were, to a birthday party and met a girl that I liked met her for about 30 minutes on this birthday party and then didn't think I'd see her again but um yeah I got a phone call so she'd asked for my number and we met up but she lived in a, another city Leicester which is three hours from where I lived okay so, I, so what started to happen we went on a couple of dates and stuff and it was going well but she was three hours away and <laughs> I entered a half marathon in her in Leicester so I thought this would kind of impress her this is a good thing to do <laughs> and again like it probably sounds a bit creepy but I thought I'm gonna have to stay the weekend over there in Leicester so, <laughs> so okay so 
like th these days I probably wouldn't get away with it, but we're talking a long time ago now. So yeah, I entered this half marathon. It was the Leicester half marathon. I went down to impress this girl, did not impress her because I couldn't walk back to the bus. I had blood coming out of my five-a-side football trainers. Oh, I, I, they all got beat by all the old men. And then, and then yeah, we are, yeah, we're married, two kids, that kind of thing. So it's, I can only tell that story with the, with the, with the ending of the, like, we, like, we've never, yeah, we've been happily ever after kind of thing. So that's a great story. I think it is profound. Like, that's amazing. That is, a, I think we can make a movie out of that. That's, yeah, it was, it's funny because I can always tell it as like, I entered that race to impress her, didn't impress her, but then she hasn't gone anywhere. So <laughs> you did something right. Yeah. Um, does she run? Is your wife a runner? No, she's never been interested in running at all. So she she loves hill walking. She loves kind of swimming. And yeah, now like we've got the kids, so she's out and about with them. So she'll she's active and she enjoys that. But I wouldn't go as far to say she hates running. She's just not interested. Yeah. And it's worked out as well because at the time when I was from that point, I became a little bit obsessive with running. And again, we were young, so she would follow me to races and I would be racing all the time all over the country and then obviously started changing my career towards personal training and yes yeah, the fact that she wasn't a runner just really gave me the time and opportunity I think if we were both a runner I'm not sure I would be doing what I do today I don't think yeah there can only be one obsessive runner in a relationship I think there's not no. really room for to you gotta it seems i mean i'm sure it works but it seems to me you need one supporter and one obsessive runner to really yeah. make it work <laughs> yeah and she, she was a well she was training to be a teacher at a time but she qualified and she again she she was able to support me for a couple of years while i did all my training and while i built up a client base and 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 yeah so it, it worked out really well if she was a runner and wanted to come to all these races with me it would i wouldn't have been able to do it so yeah <laughs> What does she think about um, the popularity that you've gained on social media? Is she uh, used by your videos? Yeah, I mean, like she'll come home and I'm sat on the sofa and I'm laughing with my laptop and she's like, are you editing a video laughing at yourself? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she knows now she's kind of, yeah, she just, she's not like obviously before Instagram and before I was making these videos, she's, she spent what? 15 16 years with me so she knows what i'm like she knows what i'm like around my friends she knows that obviously hopefully that i'm a good person but at the same time then yeah i'm always coming out i'm quite sarcastic and that kind of thing so she just thinks it's what she what she's find what she finds hilarious is like her friends and the school mums and all these people that kind of she'd probably rather didn't watch my videos or, or know about them <laughs> like know about it these days and like right. we went to a football match at the weekend and there's like ten thousand people there and two people came up to me and that kind of thing she thinks that that is ridiculous and so do i <laughs> <laughs> so she keeps me grounded yeah <laughs> well how old are your kids uh five and seven We've got a seven year old daughter and a five-year-old boy yeah okay and do they notice like you know do they know see you on social media or anything i mean i guess they're a little bit young but yeah so my daughter likes a bit of youtube kids and stuff like that and she knows that i've got a youtube channel because because it's come up sometimes just on the you know like when you stick it on the telly and there's my face or something <laughs> but no she doesn't know she knows sometimes like she, they'll come home from school and i haven't managed to get the tripod away or something so she knows that i yeah. shoot some videos and stuff she's got no idea why they think like like my son just goes She'll he'll say at least twice a week, uh, are you going running today, Dad? And um, I'll say, yeah. And he'll say, is it to get money? <laughs> so <laughs> that's just all he asks. Yeah. That's what they, yeah. Well, you're lucky your kids aren't a little bit older teenagers because um, basically anything you do embarrasses them at that age. And oh, that's yeah. you're on social yeah. media where all of their friends are. And it's just like. At some know. point, that's going to happen, isn't it? So, yeah. yeah. I mean. I might be old and retired by then, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe it'll be cool. Well, you know what? Instagram might be like the new, Facebook isn't cool anymore. So I have a feeling yeah. like all the kids are going to be off Instagram and on something else. But. Like my son, especially, he loves, he, he loves making people laugh as well. I can see it in him kind of thing. Whereas my daughter's like the princess and gets quite shy. Whereas 
whereas he's the performer at age five. So when my mum comes around to visit them, she says, she says that's what I was like when I was five, kind of thing. So um, so maybe it's going to be more more he can carry it on. <laughs> there you go. Well, and what about your mom? Is she does she uh, is she on social media? Is she on Instagram? Is she watching? No, she's typical. Like yeah, I'll get the an odd random kind of meme or something that she hasn't meant to send it's she's just a typical mum i guess she's not um we've only in the last year managed to get her on kind of whatsapp facetime and kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's not a bad thing either she knows what yeah. i do for work and she follows my races but she doesn't know i don't think about the social media side at all really yeah okay all right well let's talk a little bit more about like who you are and you're running personally so what is your so you're a trail runner right you run um ultra trail races is that mainly your... yeah yeah like i say i did the whole typical runner journey of going half marathon marathon and then yeah just of where i live and the terrain really i ended up being being a mountain runner yeah okay and your what's your favorite distance um it's hard because my favorite distance probably isn't the best that i'm at so i like i like it if i can do a race and it's long and a hard race but i'm back to have a beer with friends say at the end of the race but unfortunately i'm better at these races that seem to go on through the night and 100 <laughs> miles plus and or 24 hours so they're more limited these days but for about a five or six year period i was doing those like 100 mile races or 130 mile races and stuff like this because i mean yeah that, that kind of put bluntly i was kind of winning races and doing well in these races whereas if i even if i entered the local 10k i would be middle of the pack so mm. it, it's it's a yeah you you lean into the stuff that you're good at i think yeah. um and that's wow. what i yeah so when when i moved obviously the terrain wise i love the mountains so anything in the mountains i will enjoy but i might not be the best at these longer ones that are what i'm better at i'd say so what's the longest race that you've run um i don't know i did a race uh it was actually in barcelona on the track and we i did 140 or just under 140 miles in 24 hours oh no one of those yeah. 24 hour races where yeah. you're like just running around a track yeah i've only done two of them because i did not enjoy it and but i was okay at it kind of thing and yeah i did just didn't enjoy it and over here they do like a similar version but it's a 10k cross-country loop okay that kind of thing so yeah the mileage isn't the main thing i guess but yeah you're looking 220 kilometers in 24 hours on a cross-country track that's what i was the kind of numbers i was hitting and because and again i won like the first year i did that i finished second and and I, that was the first time i'd finished that high up in a race and um yeah i led the race for 18 hours but i had a, nig a knee niggling away for about four hours and i knew that this guy was catching me and he caught me in the last lap the last 10k but again, on reflection, I knew that I'd almost let him win. I, it was such a relief when he passed me because mm. I'd been ahead for so long and he was hunting me down. Mm -hmm. Again, knowing what I know now, I took the easy option. And it, and I was obviously I was happy that I finished second and everyone was proud of me. But once a bit of time went on, it niggled away that I should have. My knee wasn't that bad. I should have won mm. that race if I'd have shown a little bit more grit or experience, I guess. So the following year we went back and, and i managed to win the race yeah wow when was that um we're going back a bit now because i haven't done that for a while so uh maybe five or six years ago i did that one and then i went to the trails and the mountains more yeah yeah but you yeah. find that after every race though i mean i guess unless you win but even like and i don't win i i win like hometown races but like even if i win i'm like you could have probably gone faster like yeah. if i don't pr and win and like you know yeah. like, then i'm always like oh you could have done this and done that better so like i feel like there's always a little bit of an aspect of looking back and being like oh i could have done better yeah yeah that, that's why i guess like running a marathon i always found really hard because i've only done four road marathons in in my running career call it and i just found it so tough because of the 
it's the training so hard for it like for a mountain marathon it's not I mean it's hard but it's a different hard because you can enjoy longer days and it's you there's hiking and mixed in and all that kind of stuff so again sometimes I think people choose the easy option by going longer yeah although it seems on paper that it's tougher but running a like go and run a 15 minute 5k that's hard isn't it oh <laughs> so, 100%. and it's, yeah. it's it's easy to like disrespect a distance because um my distance is a marathon but if i you know i'll run a 5k and i'll not wear i'll be like oh it's just a 5k i yeah. forget how much they suck like they're all they're terrible i'd much rather run a marathon at like yeah. at least you're comfortable for the first like 18 and before it gets like terrible um, but a 5k you're it's just horrible the entire time so it's, uh, and yeah the, and the progression is like you once you start getting some some good results or relative for yourself in in the marathon and you start kind of training for 12 or 16 weeks to try and get a, a one minute or two minute pb it's very easy to just go well i'll just go and do a 50 mile ultra because again you go into the office in the monday morning and you've run a 50 mile ultra everyone's impressed right i think but yeah. you go in these days well not that i've ever worked in an office but you go into the office on a monday morning and you say you've run a marathon what's the first question anyone asks what time time yeah yeah and it shouldn't it shouldn't really be like that but mm. that's just how it is i think a lot of the time now yeah that's true i didn't even think about that um are you coaching mostly like any particular distance or type of athlete do you have a particular like trail running or yeah i mean naturally i seem to attract trail and mountain runners like we have we have a race over here and um it, it's called like the dragon's back so it's five days mountains um yeah it's like 200 well 300 kilometers thousand like thousand thousand meters of climb every day technical terrain navigation and it's sorry six days now so because i've done that a couple of times and they bill it as the toughest mountain race like multi-stage yeah I people that are doing that kind of stuff um wow. but then at the other end i've got uh i've got a great guy that is he's jamaican and he's he's the fastest jamaican marathon runner yeah <laughs> which it, oh my which, gosh again if don't go looking into the jamaican records because <laughs> <laughs> they're not known for it but he's like going for 222 in the marathon oh. kind of thing so yeah one minute i'm doing 100 mile mountain training plan and next i'm doing as soon as 222 for the marathon and then i'm also got people that are joining that are, they don't actually race since mm -hmm. since we had all the lockdowns and everything we've had people that come in and they've just got either personal challenge or they want me to set them a challenge and again that's a new part of coaching that I'm, i've enjoyed as well yeah, I could totally see that because I feel like you're the kind of coach that just makes running fun. And a lot of times that's what we need is just somebody to make it fun and push us, of course, but also to take the like seriousness. Sometimes I think we can be a little bit too serious about it. It's just running, you know, most yeah. of us aren't doing it, um, you know, as professional athletes, but it can be easy to get into that obsessive like mindset about it. So I yeah, always, I yeah. Everyone wants to get better, don't they? Really, mm -hmm. to, but to get better, you don't have to kind of adhere to maybe every single thing that you might see on social media. Is is the bottom line because people were getting better before social media. So right. again, data is great to a certain extent, but do you need to have kind of Garmin data and Strava data and um, a journal and all these all these different data points coming in? Can you strip some of that back? Do you have to do all these different recovery methods and protocols, or can you just chill out and watch Netflix? Yeah. Oh so yeah. It's it's that kind of thing. It's a lot of it is the bit I enjoy about the coaching is I can have these conversations and and kind of find out what what's going to make this person better. Is it going to be data, or is it going to be taking data away? That kind of thing. Not. Yep. It's always I'm not for or against anything in running but yeah it's more about getting people to understand that they don't have to do every single thing that you see out there yeah yeah so, I mean a lot of it is about uh trying to help people figure out who they are and what works best for them and I think a uh, coach's job a lot of the times is helping them see that and kind of getting rid of all the junk that's out there and being like having them focus on them and what's worked for them 
and stop focusing on what everybody else is doing because that can be really hard with all the information we have available to us these days. So yeah. Um, do you have any particular like, I guess, coaching theory or guiding principle that you like, I don't know, like anything that you prescribe to? Um, like when it comes to training principles and things like that, like, like I'm again from an when I started, I worked quite hard at it and I read all the books and I became a bit obsessive about it, whether that be kind of technique and movement and all that kind of thing, then on to nutrition. So I was trying to cover everything. Then I had got myself a coach that worked with s some amazing runners and was used to work with like Arthur Lydiard in New Zealand and stuff like this. So, so as in principles and things, I guess my that's born out of that. So the Lydiard principle of that most people would know like getting the base down adding some hills and some speed work all that yeah. kind of stuff it, i see as like kind of basic principles but then my coaching style has always been uh, a bit more creative so a lot of it is based on the conversations that we have but also if i see something in another sport that i like then i might take it kind of thing yeah and whether it be a drill whether it be an exercise in the gym that's always been my kind of I guess coaching philosophy I'm I'm quite open because I love all different sports I'll I'll try lots of different things and I'm quite open with the people that I coach sometimes I'll say I've never done this before <laughs> <It's kind laughs> of, I think it might work for you let's give it a go yeah so yeah that's that's kind of how I work yeah not taking it too seriously being open to trying new things is there any particular drill or workout that's your favorite to have people do or to do yourself uh, I mean, my favourite, I think, my favourite is a long day in the mountains, but you can't really call that as a training session sometimes. That's just, yeah. That's like, like a, a long run, like your favourite would be like a long run. Gym, but like a hard session I like to do is an uphill tempo because oh. so I know lots of people <laughs> won't like it, but for me, I'm one of those runners that I was never blessed with speed. So when I'm doing pure flat speed sessions and 1k tempos or 1k hard that kind of thing or track sessions I find that really difficult and I almost don't reap the rewards from it because I can work as hard as I can but I'm still not running very fast whereas an uphill tempo you're masking the fact that you're not that fast <laughs> yeah so I'm running hard <laughs> yeah I'm running hard and I feel like I'm getting fitter and I'm running up a nice hill and it's horrible but I don't have to run fast. <laughs> I like the way that you like conceptualize it, that you're masking that you're not fast. Yeah. <laughs> that's, something else. That's all, well, that's all trail and mountain and ultra running is, I think. It's <laughs> real just masking the fact that we couldn't run a fast marathon because otherwise we'd, <laughs> we'd all be trying to get in the Olympics, wouldn't we? But yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. Why do, why do you think you're so good at the endurance part of running? Uh probably the genetics that i never knew i had <laughs> never, oh, <really? laughs> kind of yeah like not knowing like again like the only blood relatives i've ever known are my kids which as a runner and someone who's into all these different sports and i love finding out about like the genetic side of things it's it's quite strange but almost i guess you'd call it liberating because I didn't have any predisposed kind of ideas of what I should be good at because my parents are good at or what mm -hmm. I'm bad at. Yeah, because once I hit 19, I realized, well, I've got no biological kind of clues. <laughs> so, um, oh, yeah. So that is kind of like, I guess, leaves it wide open for you to figure bit, out. Yeah. I mean, my body shape and my body size at that age, some things stick with you, don't they? And although I was playing playing football and soccer and stuff and the teams were quite good but I was really average the team was great and we used to win quite a lot but it was my friends that were great at football and I was I was like left back which isn't the best position on on, <laughs> in the, on the field and and I used to think it was because I was good at left back it's not it's because I was it was just the last position to be filled almost but I was in a good team and I, and I loved it so then when I found running I, I'll never forget thinking back like I used to do the odd bit of cross country in school and it was again it was to get a day off school but I would finish third in the top five and then I would go on to county and then I would go and then I would get another day off so I, there was something naturally there as a young age I just didn't really know it I guess and then one teacher 
when I was going to this football trial, I had no place being there. But he said, um, he said, he said, look, look at you. You should just be, a, you should be an endurance runner or a long distance runner or something like that. And at the time, it really got my back up. Yeah, because mm. I was a footballer. I, was, I don't want to go running. Kind of that's what all the geeks do. Kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it always stuck with me because that is like, like I'm a runner because because of my body shape and because I le lent into running. I don't play. Yeah, I'm not a basketball player, am I? Because <laughs> if I was yeah. seven foot, if, if I was seven foot, I'm sure I would enjoy basketball more. So, um, yeah. <laughs> what so like when it gets really hard out there and i don't know i'm not a hundred mile runner i like at what point does it get really hard for you it's difficult because i've i say this to sometimes people either i'm coaching or a little talk and it's you it can be really hard and you can take the easy option quite quickly so like a dnf yeah so mm -hmm whether that's because you felt nauseous, whether it's because you feel a niggle and you take the easy option. And then as soon as you take the easy option, that's it. Or you can choose to struggle on and you could struggle on if you're in, obviously if you're in pain or injured, it's different. But when it starts to get tough is usually at the point where people have either kind of got it or they haven't, I think. So in an ultra, I've been in some races where it's getting very tough and your breathing rate is up for not kind of much output and you're struggling to eat and you've been out and your body's tired and that kind of thing. Sometimes some of my best races and results have come from push, pushing through that point just for a small amount of time. And then, and then it kind of gets easier. Like I'm not one of these people that think that you kind of get into a meditative state or something like that, <laughs> but there's something great about once you get past a point where like the knee is niggling or the, the hip is a little bit achy and stuff in the first few hours and you and typically it may be after say eight hours which for some people may seem sound ridiculous but once everything is under a certain amount of discomfort then nothing's changing yeah so no, it just doesn't get any worse no the up only to a certain point and then it just doesn't get any worse yeah the only thing that changes is that you've been telling yourself that story for hour and hour and hour and it feels like it's a lot worse so if you i go through a little body check every every so often and and i used to write actually on my on like my forearm right now so how are you actually feeling right now what is mm. wrong with you right now um what what would be the reasons for you to stop right now and i could keep asking this right now question yeah and you, usually the answer is the only difference between four hours ago or six hours ago is that you've been moaning in your own head because mm. trail ultra marathons you do you are left with your own thoughts for so long you better kind of have a plan to kind of deal with that i think that's i mean it's no wonder that running that long is like I don't know is is just such a life-changing experience because you do spend so much time inside your own head and i feel like you can work a lot of stuff out that maybe is related to running at the time but you can carry over into your own life like outside of running so is there anything that you feel like you've worked through during running or applies to your life that um i don't know has kind of um bridged over or is parallel yeah, well, again, it's more on reflection. I'd never knew this stuff at the time because, like I say, I was a, just lacked direction at early 20s. And then at 25, like my thirst for the knowledge of the sport and running was just kind of, I was like, I would say obsessed. I would never say addicted, but I was obsessed with it all kind of thing. I was reading all the books and then I ended up in like weird strange forums trying to find ultra marathon races because that's the only kind of thing you could do online at the time so what i saw was kind of i'd never been interested in learning before so mm. in school and I, I went to college but i didn't complete college because it just again looking back it wasn't it didn't interest me i was right. more interested in in being with my friends having fun all that kind of stuff and some people some people are nailed down at school and some people aren't and i'm okay with that now because i realized at 24 25 which was a little bit late that actually i can learn stuff it's just that i didn't want to learn the stuff 
<laughs> that was being taught kind of 10 years ago. So yeah, knowledge level went up. I was kind of, again, I was rediscovered books and kind of learning and just, just progressing that built a bit of confidence, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's, and again, you build confidence by, I guess, getting better results and things, but I was building confidence by what I was learning more than anything. And the fact that kind of people were coming to me for help with their running at first and stuff like that, that was, that just made me kick on more, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of cool when people are coming to you for advice, right? Like where you get to be the one who's knowledgeable and know about it. And I think to your point, like, I think it's a really good point that, um, you know, it's not that you weren't smart and maybe a lot of times like kids in school these days and, you know, it's, it's not that they're not smart or like that they can't learn. It's just that they're not, you know, maybe they're bored. They're not being engaged. Yeah. They're not interested, but that's why following things that you're interested in, I think is so important. And I, from my own experience, like can, can share like a similar, similar experience in school. Like I, I wasn't a great, I was a pretty average student and I just figured I was just an average student. I didn't like most of the subjects I was learning, but now I'm the same as you. Like I read every, I have so many books. I'm surrounded by books on running. I would put myself like in terms of like, if somebody gave me a test on running, like I feel like I'd be great at it yeah. and I don't need a college certificate to tell me that I'm great at it. I love yeah. it and I love to learn about it. And that's why I know I'm, I'm good at it. And I know what I'm talking about because I care. Right. Like, so if, if you really care about what you're learning about and you're self-motivated to do it, you're, you're going to be smart at it and you're going to, you're going to know your stuff because you want to. Um, so I, I really appreciate that point. I think it's a great point. Um, all right. Let's get to some of the, let's see, other stuff. What, all right. What is your favorite non-running sport? Let me guess, um, football or soccer. Yeah, I mean, I would say that because, yeah, growing up, that's what I did. And that's what I kind of the good times that I think back to my teenage years and the friends that I've still got now are through football. Yeah, it is, I guess. I've It's not that I've fallen out of love with it. But again, like having two kids and the business and stuff, I don't kind of I've not kicked the ball in over 10 years. So I'll watch it when it's on and stuff. But I haven't got that same passion, I guess, that I did when I was 19, 20 kind of thing. But but yeah it's football over here like I, I love watching the rugby but then I'll I love the cycling and and just I, I love kind of all kinds of different sports yeah okay cool yeah because you can't you couldn't really like play football right now there's too much risk in getting injured I like literally was just reading about cross training and trying to provide guidance it's like anything with a ball is a bad yeah. idea for cross training yeah yeah <laughs> well I get a lot of kind of like 35 to 50 year old guys coming back coming to me and they'll say they haven't had a running injury in 15 years but then they've been playing five-a-side football and their legs literally hanging off kind of. <laughs> 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 they forget to tell you that part yeah um what and we'll come back to some of these other questions but just thinking more about the athletes that you coach and stuff is there something that you're having to, that you feel like you're having to remind them or a tip that you give to people most often Oh, um, it's a good question, I guess. I I push this point home quite a lot because, again, like I'm I'm 40 this year, which is I think still young. Because when I was 30 coaching 40 year olds, I would tell them the same thing. Kind of thing. <laughs> it has to be. But, yeah. but I always, but I'm, but again, I'm not coaching 20 year olds really. Right. So, so what I tell them is that there's nothing inside running that is going to be tougher or harder. Than you've probably experienced outside of running mm -hmm. and i don't know their backgrounds maybe but nobody really gets to 30 40 50 without going through some probably big challenges in life so sometimes they've just got to back themselves a little bit more and running might not be the thing that they know and it's a bit alien to them or they they feel like they're not progressing or their mindset is a bit all over the place but then they might be they might have kind of had this amazing career or they might have like brought up some children or whatever it is and gone through different grief and bereavement kind of thing and come out the other side they've always done something that will give them the tools to kind of be a success at running i think yeah i love that that's a really that's a that's a great piece of advice um all right let me let's see do you have any advice for well i mean that i think that advice applies to like all runners 
aging runners, certainly. Do you have any other advice for new runners, newer runners? Um, yeah. Just remember, like, again, sometimes I'll ask this question if someone's been running for a while. A lot of people ask why you started running. And again, like, like you, you maybe start out with a podcast why you start running. But I quite like to ask, why haven't you stopped running yet? Mm. Kind of thing. Yeah. So when it's a new runner, I just try and say, look, look, just remember that you've started. Fantastic. But try and remember why you've started and keep reminding yourself and it will change your motivations will change but everything else all, the, all like i say like social media is it's fantastic but it's also can be it, it can be a drain as well so just remember the reasons that you had at the start and i can guarantee it wasn't because you saw someone on social media kind of thing it was it will be your own reasons so just whether you write it down or just keep it in your head somewhere yeah what are what's your take on strava like, do you, do you use Strava? Do you like Strava? Or are you one who's like, it's um, too, it makes you too competitive and compare yourself to other people? Um, I don't think people should shy away from the comparison thing sometimes. They just have to reframe it maybe because it doesn't matter how many times someone says, don't like comparison is the thief of joy and all that kind of stuff. It's like, well, you're not going to stop comparing yourself to someone someone else that's just it's just human nature i think yeah no matter what people say so you've just got to use it as almost in the right way so whether that be in business whether it be in anything you can compare yourself that's great it should motivate you and like strava for me is probably a different relationship because i'm not that data orientated i was coached i'm a bit of a dinosaur still where like i was coached to perceived effort I've never really used heart rate to an extent and Strava it's a very sneaky social media isn't it people forget that I think so yeah the like the likes and things that well, it's not likes is it kudos is <laughs> it's it, it it's feeding people their their little kind of bump for the day their little kind of yeah not no like note notifications and things like that it's just being aware of that there's nothing like I love Strava because I get to see friends where they're running and they're based all around the world say because we've all live in different parts I kind of if you go on holiday you can just rip out routes I love Strava mm. but through coaching I also know the pitfalls from it because if someone tells me that they've got a bad relationship with it they've got a bad relationship with it so there's no point in me saying well kind of just like <laughs> why you know that kind yeah. of thing no point disagree and i can help them hopefully yeah um so yeah that was a yeah. long-winded answer saying yeah i love i love strava <laughs> but i don't kind of use it extensively yeah. i kind of yeah i look at it and i've got a small amount of friends on there it, it always baffles me the fact that it's not many people but there's like 1600 people that follow me on strava i'm like who are these people that want to follow me on strava it's just <laughs> So that's weird. That's way more weird than having a few followers on Instagram, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess um, it, you're right. It all depends on how you use it. If you're using it the way that you're using it, I can see it being like a fun, helpful tool. But there is definitely a side to it where it, you know, it's all it's all in how you take the information mm -hmm. and apply it. Um, Something with like the inaccuracies and things, they don't help. So at least I can help people with that. So whether it be the heart rate that's listed, whether it be the amount of calories that's burned that's just mm. wildly inaccurate, whether it be the fitness score, which isn't worth anything kind of thing. Yeah, but people people adhere to these things. So at least if I can explain to them wh why it doesn't matter, that but they can use the rest of Strava maybe, and at least that can help. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good point because there's a lot of these tools that are available to us and they can be really helpful if you use them in the right way. So I love that you're not just taking one side and you're just really teaching people how to use it to their benefit, which um, I think is a really good way to, to coach people for sure. Um, do you have any, you're funny, you, you make everybody laugh. Like, is there anybody that makes you laugh or what makes you laugh? Do you have like a favorite movie or a favorite actor or anything? Uh, I've got such a mix and cause yeah, I guess number one would be myself because I spent so much time watching those videos and editing. <laughs> <laughs> and but then, like, I work from home now. I'm, I'm this is my office. I'm coaching, so 
I'm the only person that I've got to kind of make me laugh. So, yeah, it's, but background wise, like lots of the old British comedies, again, like when I used to go to sleep as a kid, I used to have them play like stand up routines that playing through, through, through cassettes. So I've always just loved comedy, love stand up, used to love going to it. And then the films I used to love were, typical like um like the high school films the u.s high school films that kind of thing or like the british humor films yeah but i don't think they've made a good one since i don't even know when like the likes of american pie and oh all, and super bad and all that kind of stuff i love but then yeah. at the same time i love you know like these comedies that are kind of quite a dark kind of wit to them that yeah. sometimes aren't meant to be funny kind of thing but you find yourself laughing at it yeah <laughs> yeah all right and what is your what's the most popular video like what video went viral do you remember any of the ones that like really uh had had an impact that people like loved that you made yeah it's it's funny like um yeah in december was was quite a weird month because it's it's my birthday it's my daughter on the 12th it's my daughter's birthday on the 13th it's my son's on the 25th wow. christmas day it is our wedding anniversary on the 27th um oh my gosh. yeah so there's a lot going on but like our dog died the week before mm -hmm. my birthday and she was an old dog but she was like the like i've had her since for like 12 13 years so it was like a real for a week and again I, I i can kind of count myself lucky i haven't felt grief before within my immediate family if that makes sense yeah so i've not lost anyone that really to me that and this so fergie the dog was the first time that i've really felt like hard grief and i don't mind saying that i was crying for days yeah. um lots of stress and but when i was in and again going back over the years she's been in lots of these videos you probably won't have even seen them but she's in lots of the videos where like i'm either dancing stupid or i'm doing a skit and she's part of the skit that kind mm -hmm. of thing so she was part of lots of these videos and the last day i was with her in the in the vets uh, when we knew it was the last day my, i'd left my phone in the car and i was spending the day with her and that was when i was on my nine thousand followers didn't even think went home the next day uh, the, vi the video had caught fire the first one that had properly caught fire and I doubled my followers while she was at the vet so I couldn't even I couldn't even oh. enjoy the fact that that was happening but at the same time she played a massive part in so many videos it was like she was almost having the last laugh kind of thing you <laughs> know and I'm <laughs> in a strange way so that video while I was at the vets that's the one that's got like 1.7 million views or something which is just that's insane on instagram and like 400 on tiktok kind of thing i don't even use tiktok i just repurpose the videos oh yes. <laughs> kind of thing so but that's the one and funny enough it was a remake of my very first video that i did on facebook like seven years ago or something so i did reshot it like better cuts better camera better audio changed the kind of how i spoke a little bit so it was such a weird how it came full circle and oh, that wow. one. So some of the people, like my friends and some people that have followed me for that amount of time and worked with me were saying, oh, I prefer the original kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. it's so so it, was, it was just weird how it happened. And then that one, and then, yeah, it's just the way the algorithm worked. It favored me for a little bit and pushed a few videos, I guess. And, and that was that. What was the video about? Like, was it on a certain topic? Oh yeah, sorry, it was, um, yeah how to make the how to make hill running easier um oh my god i think that's the one i saw probably if it had <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah yeah i think that's the first one i saw <laughs> yeah so how to make hill running easier yep, I think that tell people to get fitter yeah so yeah but, but and that was in a long line of videos in within the same vein it was just that and and it was such a spur of the moment i had the ca camera in the back of the car and funny enough someone had asked me about the original video seven years ago and i said oh i'll send it yeah because it looks ridiculous and i thought i'll just do make this one again so i did it within about 10 minutes on the hill and and again it wasn't great because the weather was coming in and stuff but i managed to get it done yeah threw it up and didn't really think too much of it and and again yeah had a week of that stress and kind of grief and stuff didn't yeah. think much of instagram and it and it went wild and that and yeah so again once it got to 
I, I remember getting to 20,000 and thinking that is insane. But then you kind of stop looking at the numbers because I can only work with so many people. It's <laughs> so, yeah, I, I get more questions. I get more comments. I get, yeah, I get to speak to more people like you. That's a good thing. But yeah. as for it doesn't, nothing's changed. I just keep making the same videos really. And they might bomb for the next <laughs> five years, maybe. Dude, I think I think it's hilarious. I love it. And I love like you said, like, I love that I, that I saw you on Instagram. And now we're like having a conversation yeah. from yeah. this far, like, like, just to think about the fact that it's one o'clock here and six o'clock there. And I'm talking to you on the phone. And like, you're not some I would never meet you otherwise, right? Like, no. that's what I think is so cool about Instagram and just about people like you being themselves and like, connecting with your people, right? Like, not that, not, you know, I don't know. I just like, I saw you and I was like, this is somebody that I want to talk to and like want to connect with. And like, like, I hope we stay connected. Like, I just think that's so cool. And um, yeah. like, I really love that kind yeah. of, what I love is the, the kind of long form conversation. So like when a video of mine or <clears throat> something that I've done, if a long form conversation comes out of it, that's, that makes me happy too. Because like you say, you watched that one of those videos there could be 10 people that hated that video, but because you enjoyed it, then obviously we've, we've got some kind of connection. So when we speak, I know that it's probably going to be a good conversation. The same as when people come to me for coaching, I always say, watch 10 of my videos. <laughs> See if you like me. <laughs> Don't think I'm a dick. Come back. <laughs> and then, that's, that's, that's a nice way to like, yeah. like not actually have to interact with people, but just give them like a taste of who you are first yeah. and not find like, out and just be like. Don't just watch one because it could be a bad one maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but if you watch 10, you'll probably get at least three or four that has got information in it. So and then if you find that valuable come back to me and yeah you're more than welcome because then the community the small community that we've got that i coach they've all come through essentially a funnel isn't it they watch my videos they feel like they know me before they even get there so we're all on yeah. the same page that's awesome um <laughs> so are you you coach virtually mostly now right so you do coach people yeah, and now, obviously yeah. you have somebody in jamaica so you coach people all over He's based in London. He oh, he's based. Oh, okay. Yeah, but he is Jamaican. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but we've got yeah we've got someone now in China. We've got a couple in the US, Canada, um, Ireland. So yeah, it's quite it's quite interesting. Oh, and it's not just you. You have other coaches, I guess. That are... oh no, it's just me. It's just me. Oh, it is just, okay. But it, yeah, they're the people that I'm coaching in different mm -hmm. different countries and locations. Yeah. Okay, so I'm not going to spoil like your tip for running hills. I'm just if people haven't seen the video, I'm going to make them like go find it. <laughs> it's a really good tip. Like you don't want to miss it for real. It's groundbreaking. It is. It's absolutely groundbreaking. Um, it's improved my hill running tremendously. So, um, <laughs> well, I am so appreciative of your time and like that we actually got to like talk face to face. Um, if anybody wants to connect with you or, you know, talk to you about coaching or whatever, is there a particular place that you like to direct people, you know, website or Instagram? Yeah. Instagram's good because yeah, I, I, I'm usually quite responsive on there, mm -hmm. obviously. Yeah. Within reason. And then if you, but the website, uh, is houserunningclub.com so that's just this what I do and what I've done essentially for coaching wise but if you just want a conversation or I've got a question about running I do regular Q&A's on Instagram yeah awesome yeah and plus like you said you'll want to like watch a couple of his videos before you reach out just to make sure like yeah, yeah. sometimes maybe have the volume down if the uh if you've got kids maybe yeah <laughs> all right well gary this is so much fun i think you're a blast um thank you for what you do and um i will be watching so yeah brilliant thank you nikki thank you thank you have an awesome day you too bye that brings us to the end of this episode thanks to gary house for joining us we hope you had a few laughs and that you will give him a follow for more amusing content if you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and be sure to come back next week for our conversation with sports dietitian and runner's favorite fueling specialist, Megan Featherston. Until then, this is Nikki Tamburino. And don't forget to keep running, keep inspiring, and keep sharing how maybe running will help. Have a great run, everybody.
jump, you can't ignore it. I'm transforming now, these cars and planes, I'm always boarding. Just out touring down in Charlotte like I play for Hornets. When I'm performing, never boring, now you can't afford it. Champagne, Perrier, finished friends on my face. Looking like I'm from the D, D's no Cartier. Pockets deep, 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 bro. I can make it in my seat, bro. Do you and do me, bro. Overseas then, we gon' go, go, go Whoa, whoa, I press the button 